The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Dr. Hackey Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. And today, I'm so happy because we're so lucky to have right here with us, Lisa Puglis, who runs Love Serving Autism, which you're going to hear all about, where those of us with different brains get to learn how to play tennis. Lisa, welcome. Thank you for having me today. What is Love Serving Autism? Love Serving Autism is a specialized therapeutic program teaching tennis communication and life skills to children and adults on the spectrum. Um, we provide the tennis pathway. So we start with a red ball tennis program and we advance through the different colors of tennis balls. Our bigger goal is inclusion. So as the children and adults advance, um, it'd be great if you know we provide competitive opportunities for them. We do have a few program participants now who are in inclusive after-school junior programs, which is amazing. We also um, provide off-court opportunities for um, increasing communication skills and life skills, such as volunteering at a hospitality tent at a professional tournament. So um, our bigger goal really is to teach skills on the tennis court that generalize into the home, the school, the community, and the vocational settings. You know, you have such an interesting background. First of all, thank you for all you're doing with Love Serving Autism, getting all the kids out on the tennis court and socializing and doing all the stuff you do. But people may not know you're also a speech pathologist. Yes. So um, tell us how you got into being a speech pathologist. Well, I had a career in tennis and... Um decided that I wanted to pursue another career after, and I thought, what career really focuses on helping others? And I found out about um, becoming a speech and language therapist. Uh, I applied to graduate school over 18 years ago, and I uh, graduated and uh, started working in a school. And uh, 15 years later, I'm still a speech and language pathologist. Well, you had quite a great tennis career going, and tell us about your tennis career. I started playing tennis in Memphis, uh, Memphis, Tennessee when I was five years old. I took a tennis lesson, and the coach said, you know, your daughter has great hand-eye coordination, and I, I really liked the sport. Um, I continued to play all the way through college. I started at Duke University for one year. Um, I ended up transferring to University of Florida. It was a little warmer. <laughs> I graduated at University of Florida, um, and we, we won the college championships, which was exciting my senior year. Um, then I went into professional tennis and um, played for a few years, building a, a professional ranking, and had a bit of a back injury. So I had surgery and um, took a break and then went into graduate school. So um, I had a fun um, childhood playing tennis and um, traveled around the world and had a lot of amazing experiences. And you're very modest about your very successful tennis career. Thank you. I just feel like uh, we're all given gifts and that's something that um, thankfully my parents exposed me to the sport because I really, you know, who, you don't know until you try something, <laughs> right? So, thank And you. Uh, that particular sport matched your brain pretty good. Yes, I... I do. I love the um, the repetition in tennis. I 
I like the fact that um, you're by yourself, you know, especially in singles, um, that it's, you can play socially in doubles, but singles tends to be a little more um, independent. And I, I just love the sport because it's visual and um, now I get to teach it. So that's a whole nother, I mean, you can do a lot with tennis, whether you're playing professionally or college or high school coach, or um, you can have a full career in it. So now I'm lucky enough to be, you know, working with children and adults on the spectrum. So, well, you know, you love serving autism, your 501c3 not-for-profit. Tell us how you started that and what led to that. Well, I was uh, about 10 years into my speech and language career as a therapist, and I started to miss tennis. And I read an article um, about a national nonprofit acing autism and realized, you know, we don't have anything like this in Florida. So I contacted the founder and for six years I helped run all of their programs. It's an introduction to tennis and realized uh, six years into that that I really have a new vision as a therapist um, about designing a local program called Love Serving Autism. So um, in, you know, uh, August 2016, Love Serving Autism became a 501c3 nonprofit. And that's where it started. Tell us in what ways tennis can be beneficial to those of us whose brains are a bit different. Um, as I had previously explained, you know, tennis is quite repetitive. A lot of our children in our programs will go home and they like to practice on like a wall. We have one child who brings tennis balls home and hits on the wall of his house. So they had to board the windows at their home. <laughs> uh, tennis is, like I said, visual. Um, it's not 100% social unless, like I said, you play in doubles or groups. Um, it's kinesthetic, so a lot of our children like the feel of the ball. It provides sensory input. Um, the balls make sounds. Some of our children like to dribble the ball because they like to hear the echo of it. Um, so it's parents are really surprised a lot of times, even if their child um, has more profound autism, that their child is drawn to it because they never thought that they would be interested in a sport such as tennis. So, What are the biggest challenges you encounter in teaching someone with autism how to play tennis? I think motor planning is definitely one of the challenges, um, especially for individuals with Asperger's. Um, it, they're not always, the, the program participants are not always regulated some days, so they might come to tennis and have a great day and feel very coordinated, and then other times they come and they're just not as focused. and. They may feel frustrated a little bit, and um, some of our children do not have uh, expressive language skills, so they're not able to communicate how they're feeling. Um, so once in a while, we'll see a behavior, and, and the volunteers do a great job on, on working with the children um, to encourage them to continue. But, you know, like I said, um, once the program participant learns the routine of the program, they know what to expect. That, that greatly helps them. You know, when they walk into a class, they know, okay, we're gonna do A, B, C, and there are not really any surprises going on. I think that makes a difference. What do you feel is the most rewarding part of your work? We have one child who um, is nonverbal, and the parents provide testimonies to us sometimes in feedback, and one of the parents said that their child brings their tennis racket um, to their bed every night and puts it right by their bed. And I never knew that he liked tennis at that level. I thought, you know, he's playing a sport, 
but he really wasn't able to tell us how much he enjoys playing. And when she told me that, I realized, you know, a lot of the parents have incredible stories, even traveling to the U.S. Open in New York, the experiences through the airport, going to the tournament. So I think it's so rewarding when I hear parents tell me what they see at home, um, things that maybe I don't see in tennis. Um, that makes me happy, yes. What are your upcoming plans for Love Serving Autism? Well, we are currently expanding. We started in South Florida. We'll be opening new programs in North Florida in 2020. Um, we also, which is kind of new news, we are now um, approved for fundraising compliance in New York, Pennsylvania, and Massachusetts. So we potentially may be expanding in the next one to two years um, outside of Florida. Um, so that's an exciting project for us. Um, we also have a vision of designing um, an indoor therapeutic tennis center in South Florida. So that would be um, a small court inside that we could teach the basic hand-eye coordination skills and the children and adults can also receive speech therapy, occupational and physical therapies. Wow. So that's something that we're interested in too. <laughs> a lot of projects going on. <laughs> yes. That's for sure. I like the way that everything is all combined. You know, it's not separate in your brain and why not do it all? Right. And what are the long-term goals of Love Serving Autism um, is uh, to spread it and expand it? And Well, because I'm a speech and language therapist and I have a tennis background, um, my goal is to provide um, a specialized therapeutic program through tennis so that we're, we're increasing language skills so that for instance, if a child starts tennis and an adult enters our program, that we're teaching them functional life skills so that when whether they're playing tennis on or off the court, that it's something that they will generalize for their lifetime. So we do a lot of um, off-court events, such as um, the Delray Beach Opens in February. It's a professional tournament for men, and we have some of our high school students volunteering at the hospitality tent, greeting guests as they enter the tournament. So my bigger goal is not only to obviously learn tennis skills, but also to, to generalize what they're learning into their life. Um, you know, character development, we work on sportsmanship, um, effort, integrity, all of those, so that they, they're learning those basic skills. Um, so it's, it's tennis plus a lot more <laughs> in my mind, yes. Well, it certainly sounds like it. Um... How does helping someone with their speech and communication challenges compare to helping someone on the tennis court? Well, we're, when we're teaching someone specifically with tennis skills, it's more hand-eye coordination, technique, tactical skills. When we're focusing on increasing communication skills, for instance, in a Love Serving Autism program, um, we are really focusing on, on um, engaging the child on communication opportunities. So for so a, a few examples would be when a volunteer tosses a ball to a child, um, instead of just tossing the ball and the child hits a, a volley, we might say ready, set, and the child says go. They might point to a visual. They might have a device with voice output that says go. Um, so our goal is to really increase communication skills receptively is comprehension so we focus on following directions teaching the children how to listen to their coaches um, it's the same type of therapy we do in a classroom except it's in tennis it's just a different environment um, i've created a communication toolkit 
which has vocabulary boards for the children so they can point to words if they want to ask for a break, if they need to go to the bathroom, if they want water. They can build sentences, you know, I want water, please. Um, we also created visuals for the volunteers or program director to wear around their neck on a lanyard so that they're easily accessible. Um, we have an upcoming appointment with uh, a company in Ohio called Saltillo. Um, Saltillo creates uh, communication devices and visuals for children and adults um, with communication challenges. So we do look forward to partnering with them and focusing on this project to really increase the language skills during tennis. So it's, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, as an SLP, as a speech therapist, it's really important that I remind the volunteers and the program directors to implement these strategies during the classes. You know, it was so great that your not-for-profit, Love Serving Autism, arranged for all of those individuals on the spectrum to fly up to New York to go to the Open. And tell us all about that. What was that like and how did you arrange it? That's an amazing adventure. Thank you. So, yes, the United States Tennis Association invited us to bring 21 children from Love Serving Autism to participate in a 10-minute on-court experience at the U.S. Open this year on August 31st. Uh, it took about four months of planning, fundraising. Um, we prepared the children by creating social stories. For instance, um, what, what do we expect when we get to New York? Um, the parents did an incredible job. Some of the children had never flown in airplanes before. We contacted a few airlines, you know, in the airline most of them flew, um, or JetBlue and Delta. And um, we had a travel agent who worked with the airlines and notified them in advance that we have families with children on the spectrum on the planes that, who've never flown before, and they did an incredible job. The children adapted. They were able to cope very well with the change um, in routine. When we arrived at our event the morning of, it was a little bit of a challenge for some of the children because we had to wait. It was a long waiting process. Um, we actually had to wait in a tunnel under one of the stadium courts for 30 minutes in a line. Um, we kept reassuring them, providing you know positive reinforcement that we're going to go into the tennis court very soon. And I'm so proud of the children because you know, you, you can't ever underestimate a child on the spectrum because who knew that they would go out on the tennis court and shine the way they did. And I, I'm so proud of them and the parents were amazed that they actually were able to accomplish this goal. And I do, I do hope that we're invited again in the future. I know it was a lot of preparation, um, but you know, my point is that, that we need to provide these type of opportunities for, for these individuals so that they, they can experience life outside of, you know, going from school to home. I think that was an amazing experience. Sounds like the adventure of a lifetime. Yes, it was. <laughs> you know, you have so many uh, different kids you see. And uh, as they say, if you've met one child with autism, you've met one child with autism because everybody's different. Um, how do you adapt to all the different types that are part of love-serving autism? Well, this is a great question. When you visit one of our tennis classes, you do see a wide range of children in our classes. Again, some are, are very verbal, some are nonverbal, some have, um, you know, they're all different personalities, different skill levels. Um, part of our registration process is the parents can... Um, 
you know, if I don't know the child or the program director doesn't initially know the child, whether it's through the classroom or some other experience, the parent can, um, you know, write notes on about their child's personality, their preferred interests, um, if they have any behaviors, so that we're a little bit aware of upfront up before the program starts of what potentially are the triggers for this child, um, the antecedents for, you know, potential behaviors, and what helps them. So. From my experiences as a speech therapist, I know that one of the main keys on, on a successful program is routine and consistency so that um, I'm able to recognize if we provide that positive feedback and that reassurance to the children that this is a safe environment, this is something new, but it's fun, and we're going to repetitively do this consistently throughout our programs, um, I think that that makes a big difference. Um, the volunteers get to know the children too, and they may be, they may like one child the best, you know, and they may want to work with that one child and they form a bond so that um, whether the child's nonverbal, verbal, Asperger's, you know, all levels, that they know how to work individually with that child. Um, we do have high school students volunteering for community service hours, and they enjoy it too because they see the wide range in, of children on the spectrum. Um, we just have to adapt and modify our program to meet, the, to meet their needs. And um, parents give us great input, therapists. We have respite workers who come out, behavior therapists to our classes and help us as well. So. What a great program. And, and we do have, <laughs> we do provide, um, it's called if-then boards. So if a child is struggling at tennis that day, uh, first-then boards, pardon me, if a child's struggling that day, you know, we have a visuals that say, you know, first tennis, then, and they select their preferred activity. So if, if they have anxiety, they don't know how long tennis is for that day, and they want their iPad, you know, we'll have a visual icon of tennis, and then we'll reassure them that if you finish your tennis class, that you get your iPad. And it does, it, again, that does make a difference. It reassures them that this is, this is one activity for the day, um, and then they get to go on to another activity. So we just, we modify it as we go. <laughs> Well, it's great. It's great how you have, you indoctrinate all of the positive principles, discipline, practice, repetition. And at the same time, it's anything but a one size fits all. It's not. It's every brain is different and you're attacking it that way and getting great results. Yes. Thank you. Well, thank you. Is there anything you'd like to cover today that we have not covered? Well, I, I think what I'm learning more and more that I've been in the field for 15 years, the term neurodiversity is is changing because uh, when I started as a therapist and as a speech therapist in a classroom, the statistics were a lot different. And now I feel all of us are connected. The more and more, the older I become <laughs> and the more I get to meet the families and the parents and the children and adults on the spectrum, I, I recognize that... Um, you know, I don't really have a question about it. I just I see see it evolving, and it's more un, there's more understanding, there's more acceptance, there's more awareness that we're all unique and we all have different gifts. And um, I know Tempa Grandin talks about it. It's important to expose your children and adult, you know, with neuro, if they're neurodiverse or not, you know, to to sports, to everything in life, because you never know what they may connect, you know, connect to. So. I think it's I think it's been interesting seeing it evolve through the years, you know, and um, seeing more and more children play tennis. You realize, okay, just because they have autism doesn't mean that they're not going to be great tennis players, you know. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, 
you told the you told the story of the uh, you know the individual who would take their tennis racket to bed yes. with them and all. Um, give us the flip side of it. Give us the flip side of how it makes you feel. Well, you know, as I had said, when I go to the different programs, and initially I started, at, you know, every program, and now that we're expanding, we have program directors who are trained, whether they're teachers, teaching assistants, therapists, tennis pros. So, like I said, I we're expanding to the point where I don't know all the children now. Um, but when I do know a child, and I know that, like I said, they're nonverbal and they're not able to say, you know, I can't wait for tennis today. Um, but the fact that they are bringing their tennis racket to their room at night, that's symbolic to me because it's their way of expressing themselves. So I think that there are days when running a nonprofit is very challenging, a lot of days, <laughs> and it's one step at a time. And when you hear encouraging stories like that, that you are making a difference, you know, you want to continue um, because sometimes um, it's opening new programs, meeting new families, you're hoping that this is impacting them. And when you hear stories like, you know, Marvin, you, you hear, wow, that's amazing that he actually connects to the sport like that and he may not be able to verbalize it, but he's showing us through his actions. You know, sometimes we forget that none of these entities such as autism exist in a vacuum. You know, you can't have autism without a little bit of anxiety maybe a little depression here and there. And, and uh, this is such a great outlet at Love Serving Autism. How can our audience learn more about you and your programs? Well, and before I answer that, yes, tennis is, is great for um, exercise. Um, a lot of our children are have sensory um, integration issues so that if they're not eating healthy at times, you know, they're very particular about what they eat. Um, some of the children are not hydrated. They don't drink enough water. So tennis really, our, one of our goals of Love Serving Autism also is to help train the families on the importance of proper nutrition and diet and exercise and hydration. So I, just, I wanted to mention that too. I know it's not easy for the parents when their child will only eat the same foods every day, <laughs> but it's something that, um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a great goal, you know, for the families. Well, it's essential in, yes. in the fact the, uh, you know, as you know, all the current research shows how the uh, a decent diet, such as a Mediterranean-style diet, will rewire your brain, right. and the negative effect all of the greasy and junky and processed stuff yes. has on you. Same thing with exercise, and we all know we need to do that, but this puts it in such a way as to be the whole package in one program. Correct, and um, we have a website, Love Serving Autism. All of our programs are listed on our website. We update them every few months with the new program dates. We have a volunteer page. Um, so if you're interested in volunteering, you can go to our, our volunteer page, and there's a short video on um, a few minutes of one of our programs, so you can actually preview what, what you would be doing, working with the children on the court. Um, there's a volunteer screening link as well, so it's important that you complete the screening process before you start. We have a donation page, which helps us with fundraising for our programs. Um, the um, U.S. Tennis Association Florida Division has been incredible. They've been partnering with us. and. We are about to uh, partner again for the next three years, so they're giving us some um, equipment and funding for our new programs. We're really thankful for that. So um, I think that's, you know, if you have any questions, we have a YouTube channel. We have social media pages as well. 
So as soon as I, um, my, a new project of mine also is to uh, create uh, more program videos so that new program directors, volunteers can see more about what we're doing in our classes. Um, but for now, um, we do have one specific video from my Boca Raton program that shows kind of like the pathway of what we do during one of our classes. You're doing such great work. Keep up the great work, and uh, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for having me. I really enjoy, and I and continue your great work, too, with different brains. Well, thank you. We hope you'll come back and visit. Yes, I will. Thank you. <laughs> Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.